Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Souls Out Science. Uh, we're going to get started today talking about our models of the world and how they expand and grow based on our lived experiences. Then we're going to meet Tora Bontrager, who is the executive director of the Amish Heritage Foundation, uh, and is going to share a little with us about her experience of escaping the Amish. And then she's going to share with us her 12-minute writing method, which is super cool, and how she wrote uh, her book. Um, so enjoy, stay with us and uh, check it out. Welcome to Souls Outside, where we're all about finding the trail to stay true to your path. We do this by inviting featured guests on every show to share with you how you can follow in their soul prints so you can choose which trail maps you need to continue on your journey. My name is Shannon Pohl, and I'm loving having navigated my own pivot from engineering to now being a master results coach and hypnotherapist, plus a forest guide who loves going getting outside so we can learn from the nature, foster stewardship, and really amplify our successes our successes by being outside in nature. I'm so excited to have you join our today's episode. Welcome to Souls Outside. Hello, welcome to uh, today's episode of Souls Outside. I'm really excited to be introducing you to Tora Bontrager or later today, um, who's the executive director of the Amish Heritage Foundation and I will say it has a fascinating story and life experience. Not just a story, it seems to diminish it. Life experience um, that I think is really important for all of us to really shake up our models of the world a little bit, which is what I wanted to talk about uh, today as introduction to today's topic. Um, because Tora is someone who escaped from the Amish. Um, and you'll hear about her story um, when, when we bring her on. And... When I first met her, um, I had, I mean, I, I read, I read a lot of things. Um, historical fiction is one of my favorite topics. Um, and I say that as segue into, and stories of other, other cultures, other, uh, groups of people that are different than me. <laughs> um, so I have my experiences and I'm, I'm always fascinated to learn about the experiences of others. So whether it's from a historical perspective and how, where we come from, and or from just a, in today's world, like real stories, how are real people experiencing life, whether it's a novel or a memoir or um, whatever, how, how are other people experiencing life? I find it, um, as I believe I said in the first episode, I find it the really the best way to, you know, put up that mirror for me to reflect against of like, oh, like, how does this resonate with me? Um, what can I learn from it? Um, am I like that? Am I not like that? Do I want to learn from that? Just just really I like it. I like that way of learning, of, of exploring and, and engaging with other stories um, and experiences. And so with, um, I mean, in terms of the Amish or other cultural groups, I did um, live in Pennsylvania uh, for a few years when I was little, like five to nine. So, um, and one of our school field trips was into Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where there is honestly I know it's an Amish community. I also know that there are differences between the different communities. And I, I don't know what this particular difference was. Um, however, that was a school field trip was going into Amish country and we rode on a train and we 
went to a museum or cultural center. I'm not sure. It was in, I think, grade one. Um, anyway, so it, it was about kind of experiencing that life a little bit. Or not experiencing it, but getting, dipping your toe into saying that you could experience it. Um, anyways, so that's always been, a, I've always been aware that there are other cultures within our own space that are choosing to live uh, differently than what most of the population is. Um, and I've read about other fundamentalist groups as well. Um, and I've read about them both as memoirs um, and from people who have talked to them and are writing about them. So I just think it's fascinating um, because everyone has a different, has a different experience and different life. And that's where um, kind of wanted to open up this conversation about people's models of the world because where we come from impacts who we are um, and where we're going um, without defining us. Um, Cause we always have choice um, to choose differently. And so that's where, um, you know, when I first met Tora, uh, well, honestly at summer camp, we were at a camp for entrepreneurs. It was awesome. Um, and I heard about her and her story. It just really opened up that there's so much more that I don't know that is new to me about um, the realities of living in a restrict more restricted uh culture and space um and she shared a lot about how uh, their education system is very limited in that fundamentalist fundamentalist that might be the wrong word um she'll mention it in in uh in her interview in a little bit but the, the religious groups have um a right in the united states at least um to limit the education of their children uh in their communities which i was shocked at it was very much outside of I mean I was aware that there was limited schooling however didn't realize that they were still using textbooks from I think the 50s um, and I don't think they talk about anything um, or like the science is very very limited um, anyways and so I coming especially coming from an engineering background we started talking about how like opening up this education because um, it's changing a little bit, but opening it because it's when we have limited access to education, there's limited things that we can know. However, even though her education was limited, her drive and her desire to do more with her life was not. Um, she, in her model of the world, there was enough of this desire to do more, to see more, to question everything else that um, was outside of her small community, that it she made that decision, took that leap of courage to, to change her lifestyle um, and to change where she was living. And as she shares a lot more in her book that she'll mention later today, a little bit today, um, you know, when she came out of that community, it was such a culture shock because it was a different culture and her model of the world had been quite limited in the community. And so it had, it was all about expanding it and embracing different um, when she, was in the city and around more people and you know just just in our uh, for most of us in our normal society um and that's that's just what I wanted to think because it's as I listen to her like as I listen to her story and every time we talk I learn something new or think about it in a different level it's just so different and I think that's where there's such value in hearing um from people whose lived experiences are so different from ours because it really forces us to to reevaluate and shake up 
our model of the world. Um, and when I say model of the world, I mean like how we have constructed how we perceive and experience life. Um, because we all do that differently. We all have different, all of our experiences. And this is something that, um, I mean, I know I delve into deeper on in other places. Uh, today we don't have the time, but everyone has different things. And my life is, is my life. My truths are my truths. And they're going to be different from yours. And that's totally okay. And that's amazing. And it's by sharing with each other that we're able to expand and grow and think differently and evolve our ideas or change them or even just or ground deeper in them as we experience new things. It's not always about changing it. It's maybe grounding in deeper um, and rooting deeper in things we know to be true um, as it's expanded on or however we're experiencing it. So just something that I wanted to share as we go into um, today's topic is this is just this model of the world and that everyone has a different different place they're starting from, a different set of foundational experiences that we're starting from so that, that as we navigate this world together, we're all coming from different places and keeping this open-minded, compassionate place of, of how are we experiencing it? How is that going? Um, you know, listening with open minds and hearts, seeing how it lands in us, and then being curious or um, inquisitive about how we're reacting to it um, as we learn and grow. And so I think I'll leave it there for today. Um, yes, I'm, I'm excited to that Tor is here to chat with us so we can all expand our models of the world a little bit more. And there's lots of resources that are going to be in the show notes uh, that you can dig in deeper as, as you're curious um, and it fits your needs. All right, stay tuned. Right. Hello, everyone, again. Uh, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Tora Bontrager, who's the executive director of the Amish Heritage Foundation. And while we usually leave this kind of thing to the end of our episodes, I just have to say you need to get her book because there's no way we're going to go through all of the awesome that she has to share in today's seg segments. There just isn't enough time for all the awesome she has to share about leaving the Amish and navigating and now empowering other people, both who are leaving the Amish and also we just want more education in their lives. Um, and before I ramble some more, welcome Tora. And we're so excited to have you. Thank and you I so think, much. Thanks, yeah, Shannon. And I think let's just dive into it because I mean, you, you were raised Amish and you left. How did that's, you make that choice? Share, right. share about that. So I was 15 years old when I literally escaped in the middle of the night from my Amish family, community, parents, you know, anything, the only world I had ever known. And it was, I like to use this sort of imagery. It was like crash landing onto a foreign planet. Um, imagine going to Mars on a one-way ticket, but not even knowing any of the conditions of Mars. Um, the people who are going to be heading there <laughs> probably in our lifetime will know be a lot more prepared for that um, planet than I was for the outside world, mainstream America. Um, so yeah, so the reason I left was escaped, literally, I didn't tell anyone goodbye, um, was because I had a very abusive childhood. That was one of the reasons and equally important was I wanted to have a chance at going to high school. So part of the abusive childhood included educational deprivation. 
I was not allowed um, to go to school beyond the eighth grade. And I was not allowed to go to school other than a one-room schoolhouse with Amish-only students and teachers who were Amish and themselves had not gone to school beyond the eighth grade. And um, even the U.S. Supreme Court, the federal government of the United States, agrees with the Amish community, with the Amish religion, that simply by virtue of my having been born inside the community, I do not have any rights to any future other than to be an Amish housewife. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in the court documents of the Supreme Court case, Wisconsin versus Yoder. And, you know, that most people are not aware of this. Most people in the world don't know about this case. And most Americans don't know about this case. Very few people do. So this is kind of my life's work is to raise awareness about this and get it overturned and to establish that Americans have a an explicit constitutional right to education. Implicitly, you know, the Constitution does not spell it out, um, but we're arguing that there is an implicit right in the Constitution and we want to make it an explicit right so the federal government um, has to change its stance on it. Right, and that's really... And that's why you started the Amish Heritage Foundation, correct? Correct. Yes. So what, what happened for, with my own journey was that I ended up, I not only, um, I did not complete high school in, in the sense that I did not go through four years of high school. I did not get a traditional high school diploma, which was my dream. My dream was also to go to college, but I didn't think I was smart enough um, because of my background. And um, because of, you know, just the fact that I was a little bit older and, um, you know, I was 16 as a first year high schooler and um, my guidance counselor said, well, why don't you take, uh, get your GED or high school equivalency diploma, which is like a GED similar to at that time and, you know, go on to college, you know, so you would be done during your second year of high school instead of you know, several more years. And, and I just did not think I, I was capable of doing that. And, um, but he sold me because on it, because I wouldn't have to, I would only have to go to school in the mornings and I could keep my um, full-time job. I worked a night shift at a cheese factory in Wisconsin, had my own apartment and went to school in the mornings. And so, you know, that, that's how Um, I did that for the first semester. And then the second semester, I wasn't 18 yet. And my guidance counselor says, hey, sorry, you have to stay in school. You know, you're not done with school. Um, You can either go to pick any high school class you want. You don't have to do the homework. You can fail it because, hey, you're not going to college anyway, right? Um, You just have to show up for uh, legal reasons. Um, Or you can go to the community college. It'll be paid for, you can take a class. And again, you can fail it because you're not gonna go to college, right? Um, <laughs> you just oh, have to be counselors. in school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I um, decided that I wanted to go to community college because I would only have to go um, several times a week. It was like, you know, a regular college class and I could call my professor by their first name, I would not have to call them Mr. or Mrs., which I rebelled against because I'm like, I'm an adult. Like I escaped 
in the middle of the night, made that decision, like I'm on my own 100%. Why do I have to call the teachers Mr. or Mrs.? Like that mm-hmm. just went against everything. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I, I'll go to that college, <laughs> take that community college class. And I took an English writing class. English is not my first language. I speak Amish as my first language. And um, that gave me the confidence that I could handle college. So I wasn't, you know, afraid of science and math like I was of the writing courses in college. Mm. So I, you know, I did not have any science at all in Amish school. We're forbidden from that. So I didn't even know what H2O meant. Um, but I did well in chemistry in my um, first year of high school chemistry. I just have a mind for that. Um, and in Amish school, as an eighth grader, I taught myself algebra out of the back of the math textbooks. We were not allowed to learn math um, except for arithmetic, you know, which mm-hmm. is, does not include algebra. And I knew I was going to go to high school, if at all possible, and that I would need to know what else you know how to do algebra so I taught myself <laughs> um, very cool and yeah, so I'm so really I noticing mm-hmm. go ahead and like this the self-teaching um and the interest in English language I'm gonna say he's gonna feed into what you have to share with us in a couple minutes uh with your 12-minute writing technique mm-hmm. which I'm super excited to learn since I'm in the process of writing my own book as well um mm-hmm. so yeah I think just before we get into that section, um, you shared a little bit about how nature was your primary mother growing up. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that with our listeners. Yeah, so I had a very, very loving childhood, early childhood from birth to age three. I was born on a farm, uh, my grandparents' farm with, uh, in a house adjacent to the big house. So I would be um, sent over to my grandparents' house with six aunts and uncles who weren't married yet, and I would be with them all day. I would basically only sleep at the little house, at my parents' house at night. I didn't realize until I was three years old and we moved to a different state away from all relatives that um, my mother really did not want me. Um, she you know, was sort of, I, in hindsight, I can now see she had you know, bipolar and depression um, and other, you know, a very unhappy marriage. Um, my parents were constantly fighting and she was, you know, angry, upset, or I think she probably felt trapped when I was, you know, she became pregnant with me. And that was kind of like, you know, that's the end of her life because you're not supposed to divorce. You're not allowed to divorce in the Amish. Um, And so I kind of got the brunt of all of that, being the oldest. And I realized then at age three that I was on my own and I would have to take care of myself. And and I found being outdoors, number one, that got me away from my mother was being outdoors. But I also like, there was just something that I felt comforted by the trees and the birds and the rocks. I felt like they understood me and I was safe there. I was not safe with my mother, with humans, but I was safe in nature. And um, so, yeah, that even now, um, as someone who lives in Manhattan, New York City, I I have to have my nature fix. Um, I go crazy if (laughs) I don't have that. And that's, I think a lot of, I know I can relate to that living in Toronto, having like, I choose to walk through parks sometimes just to get a little bit of tree time. 
Um, yeah. When yeah. we're out walking more. Um, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing like, some snippets. And that's for everyone listening and watching. There's snippets. There's so much more amazing to the story and to dive in deeper. Um, Tora has her book, An Amish Girl in Manhattan. With just the links are down and I think links are in the in the notes um, and I believe you're offering there's a way to get one chapter complimentary um, as even a bigger sneak peek um, before getting the whole book or you can get three chapters actually if you just sign up for each <laughs> you, okay. get of, you get a choice of three themes but if you know you're the typical interested smart person you'll go in there and sign up for each one so you, you can have three free chapters <laughs> All right, so three free chapters and then, and then the whole book. Um, excellent. Well, thank you so much for this. And uh, everyone, keep listening and watching so we can learn the 12-minute writing technique. All right, welcome back everybody. Uh, so we still have with us today, Tora Bontrager, who's the executive director of the Amish Heritage Foundation and author of An Amish Girl in Manhattan. And beyond loving hearing about her story, which she'll share a little bit more about with us now, uh, so excited for, us to for her to teach us her 12 minute writing technique that she developed while writing her book. Uh, so educate us, please. Hi. Um, thanks for uh, asking me to share this. So the 12-minute writing technique came out of desperation on my part. I did not know how to write creatively. I could write, you know, scientific papers, technical papers, but, you know, creative fiction or nonfiction did not work for me. I had ADHD and English isn't my first language, and I avoided all the papers I could um, throughout my college experience. Somehow I graduated from Columbia University with a BA not knowing how to write. <laughs> so when it came to writing my memoir, I, I was forced to figure it out, crack that code, or keep that story inside me and be haunted forever. Um, so eventually what I came up with was this 12-minute technique. And, in an, and, and there are three easy, simple steps which is set a timer for 12 minutes, generate a prompt, and handwrite nonstop. That's it. It's that simple. But you have to do it every day, and you have to do it precisely that way. It has to be handwritten. You cannot um, use a computer. And you have to write nonstop. You cannot stop for 12 minutes. And... Also, again, with the with a prompt, it has to be auto-generated. So you can go online, just you know, Google prompt generator, auto-generator. You can find a whole host of them now. Um, and you do not know what that prompt is until you've already set that timer. And the first thing you do is click and go. You can't know the prompt beforehand. Oh, cool. And what the reason that this works, oh, and, and the other thing is if you don't know what to write, while you're handwriting, you just write, I don't know what to write over and over and over. Mm -hmm. You cannot write anything else. Hmm. But you cannot stop. You cannot say, you know, sort of make up things. I mean, you have to keep that prompt in, 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 your, in your mind, mm -hmm. in your head. But it doesn't have to be quite as strict as, you know, like if you really don't know what to write, 
you just write, I don't know what to write over and over, but you keep that prompt in mind, all of a sudden your brain is going to start firing something. And it's fine if you completely segue from the prompt. Let's say it was lemonade or sunshine. Mm-hmm. What, whatever content you generate has, doesn't have to have anything to do with lemonade or sunshine. It's mm-hmm. just that uh, what's happening is that your thinking mind shuts off and your creative inner muse takes over and that inner creative force is what guides what comes out of your hands and the way to kind of like get to becoming very proficient at this or very um like delighted by the process is that you know you do it for 30 days um, so that's always the challenge that I give everybody when I've taught this in the past. I haven't taught it for a while. So <laughs> um, but uh, even in seven days, like my, my challenge is do it for 30 days, 12 minutes a day, you sit there and you write. And I don't care if the only thing you write for 30 days is I don't know what to write. I, I will guarantee you, you're going to have content other than that <laughs> by the end of 30 days. But even within seven days. I've done this challenge, um, run, you know, probably about 50 people through this and they have been amazed. And I've been amazed by people who say, I'm not a writer. I'm a technical scientific person. I'm not creative. It doesn't matter what you think you are or aren't or whether or not you've had experience writing creatively at the end of seven days, you're going to have your mind blown at Mm -hmm. the kind of content that comes out. And this is how I've written my entire book. The book that you see there is all handwritten. I have evidence of it. Every single first draft of that of the chapters are handwritten. And the things that I've learned about myself or the purpose of the story, you know, what's the hidden message in the story? It's not always what you think it is. In my experience, that entire book, you know, I sort of like understood the general kind of messaging I wanted or what I thought the lessons were, the hidden mm-hmm. messages. But at the end of the day, the ultimate truth of each chapter, each story is different, is a lot more profound than what mm-hmm. I ever thought. Because again, it goes back to your activating your creative inner muse mm-hmm. and turning off the thinking logical mind that thinks it already knows everything. So that's it. Very cool. And yeah, turning off that logical brain sometimes, uh, I don't know. It wants to run the show most of the time. So well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, I also love that the prompt is like lemonade or sunshine. And I mean, I don't know if you wrote about lemonade in your book, but I can see how that's like, this is a prompt to start the juices going and then we see what we remember, I guess is. Part yeah, of yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, depending on what auto um, generator you find, don't don't pick something that generates sentences because mm-hmm. that speaks to your thinking mind. Um, I don't think you're going to find any this kind of tip online anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. But if you do sentences, it's not going to work. So find a find a auto generator that gives you just single words, one one word. Um, and there's actually a link I can give you a link in one of my notes here. It's called the storyshack.com slash tools slash writing prompt generator. I think it's writing hyphen prompt hyphen generator. And um, they have different categories of things, um, at least as of whenever I wrote this guidebook <laughs> up. 
Um, and so just pick, uh, I believe it said the material um, category. It could yeah. have been something else now. I don't know. But. Right. Okay, perfect. We'll definitely include that in the link for people because I think whether it's um, someone who has, has that book inside you that, um, oh, you had a beautiful phrase about your book before, about how you needed that you developed this out of desperation or other because of I guess like the burning need to write to share your story Um, right and I I consider it like the story is not me like it it, it's like it wanted to be told you know Mm. I I had no choice and it's kind of like you know having a child and you know at some point you know (laughs) you're not very much in control um and yeah so it was just it it was gonna haunt me if I didn't get it out so yeah right excellent so for everyone else who has a story inside that's haunting you do the 12 minute technique get Tora's book to see how it manifested into something awesome um and and then share your books with us we'd love to I'd love to know what you end up writing from this. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, if any, anyone's listening to this who wants a little guidance or help with it or finds it successful, I would love to hear about it. Just reach out to me. There's even a chapter in the book, in, the, in, in my book, about this 10-minute writing thing. So, oh, um, very cool. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on our show today. Uh, all the links will be in the show notes uh, related to this. Final plug, get the book, read the book, educate yourself about well, Torah's experience, the Amish experience, um, just expanding our brains, and then use the technique. So thank you again for coming on our show. And uh, oh, I'm just excited to keep reading more. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today on Souls Outside. And we hope you enjoyed walking in our featured guest, Soul Prince, as much as we did. As always, we like to wrap up each episode with our extreme gratitude and appreciation for our founding sponsors who quite literally made it possible for Souls Outside to become a reality. First off, special thanks goes to Eche Savas and her company Palindrome Design for the amazing cover art and noting that their sponsorship comes in support of their passion project, Self Build Sustainable. We'd also like to thank Chuck Henry for his amazing music, original music that is featured throughout the episode. And of course, Elise Cannon, our amazing editor who quite literally made it possible for any of these episodes to see the light of day. They probably would still be on a hard drive on my computer without her expertise, skill, and passion for editing. So we thank them so, so, so much. And until next time, we hope you Enjoy your journey and continue following in the soul prints of those who have gone before. Hey, one last thing before you go. If you wish you could talk about this episode with myself, our future guests, or other like-minded individuals like yourself, uh, join us on Facebook or LinkedIn in our Souls Outside Facebook and LinkedIn groups. On Facebook, we do watch parties, uh, both with awesome conversations about what we talked about and are able to answer your questions on how you can go even further on your soul print journey. See you there.